Welcome to the Faith Connections Podcast, a partnership between the Foundry Publishing, Nazarene Discipleship International, and Holiness Today. Welcome to our study this week of James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. My name is Scott Rainey. I serve with the Church of the Nazarene in the area of Nazarene Discipleship International, or NDI. This adult Sunday school video lesson is provided in collaboration between the Foundry Publishing and NDI. The Sunday school lesson is intended to support the local church's efforts to make disciples who make disciples. Please feel free to use this video in any way that helps your church or its families. As a missionary on home assignment, I was afforded the opportunity to be in 45 churches over a period of 90 days. In my new responsibilities with Nazarene Discipleship International, I have again had opportunity to be in countless churches over the past five years. I have seen many church mission and vision statements that include the following two phrases, love God and love others. Those two statements come ultimately from a conversation Jesus had with a Pharisee, an expert in the law. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 records that a Pharisee came to Jesus and said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus' reply is found in verses 37 to 40. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Loving God and loving neighbor expresses a profound truth regarding faith. Last week, as we began our study on the book of James, we noticed that God's grace in our lives makes us responsible for reflecting the great gift of salvation to others. God's gift to us and in us becomes a gift to those who cross our path. In other words, there are implications that flow from faith, actions that must come as a result of encountering Jesus and becoming a disciple of the Savior. Our faith must put us to work. James said it simply in James chapter 2, verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. My friend and co-worker in NDI, Reverend Larry Morris, was talking with me the other day about the book of James. Larry reminded me that since the author of James is believed to have been the half-brother of Jesus, James would have had more time than most to have actually lived with Jesus. While many of the disciples had just three years with Jesus. Think about the 30 years before Jesus' public ministry that James was able to witness. James knew much about Jesus' life in action. He had lived with him for many, many years, watching his actions that emanated from his trust and confidence in the Father. James was uniquely equipped to write about the actions that should flow from the life of one who calls him or herself a follower of Jesus. 
We might wonder, where would James go first in his instruction to the church about deeds that follow faith? Let's jump right into chapter 2 to see the answer to this question. James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a, a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. It is not the rich is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. The widening gap of economic differences in society is not a new thing, but an age-old problem. The Roman economy of Jesus' day was largely built on agriculture. Land, therefore, was the primary source of wealth in ancient times. It was closely linked with status and power. Land was generally inherited, and the owners were protected by the legal system. The majority of the population worked on the land of the wealthy landowners, and the livelihood of the majority was dependent on their ability to work the land. In first century Roman society, the accumulation of wealth was almost always at the expense of others. Studies have shown that the elite in Roman society made up only 3% of the population, while 90% 90 of the people in the Roman Empire live near, at, or below the minimal level to simply survive. With that knowledge, you might be interested in reconnecting with the story told of the rich man and Lazarus, who lived at the gate of the rich man, was covered in sores, and longed to eat what fell from the rich man's table. 
This would have been a common visual in Jesus' day. When Jesus walked on earth, however, he touched the untouchable and the marginalized. He recognized and befriended men and women that society ignored. James, the half-brother of Jesus, had seen Jesus walk with the poor, the outcast, the sick, the lepers, the tax collectors, the unfaithful. For around 30 years, Jesus paid no attention to wealth or power. He himself was born in a manger to a very poor family. Earthly wealth and power did not impress him at all. The early church, following the footsteps of Jesus, would have walked in a similar manner. It was known as a place where the rich and the poor gathered in the same room at the same table. Acts chapter 2, verses 44 to 45 declared, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. As the years passed from Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension, would the believers continue to follow such a pattern of kingdom living? Certainly, we can find good examples in the New Testament. But our passage for this week stands as a corrective teaching, calling believers to run far from the secular behavior of favoritism. James addresses his readers with family language in chapter 2, verses 1 and 5, my brothers and sisters. Such titles prepare the reader for James to share from his heart to those closest to him. I remember my first mentor used to tell me uh, to use the sandwich approach when you need to discuss a sensitive issue, a confrontation with someone. The two pieces of bread are encouraging messages that surround the meat in the middle that's the harder thing to say or to hear. So when you bring a great challenge, it's good to start with words that unite and draw two people together, then bring the important matter, however difficult it is to hear, and finally finish with encouraging words. This may seem like a small matter here, but I believe it's important to remember in our day when people seem to be so strongly divided. When you need to say something tough, bring it in a sandwich. James did by calling people his family. James does not only mention Jesus Christ by name and does not often mention Jesus Christ by name in his letter, but he did in verse one when he said, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Those who call themselves believers, he said, must not show favoritism. The expected way to treat the rich man in the Roman Empire was to give deference to them and certainly to give them the best seats in the house. Verses two to four give a detailed scenario with some exaggerated descriptions. The believers have gathered in their meeting place in verse two. Interestingly, while the new international version, the NIV, translates this to be a meeting, the Greek uses the noun that means synagogue. This doesn't have to be the local Jewish synagogue. It can simply mean a bringing together or an assembly. In this gathering walks a rich man. The rich man is identified because 
He has a gold ring on his finger and fine clothes. The literal translation of James chapter 2, verse 2, says that he is gold-fingered. You can almost picture a man with a gold ring on every finger. If you're old enough to remember, think Mr. T. This man's fine clothes are literally described as shining, magnificent, bright, or splendid. The point is, no one would miss the rich man who enters the room. He wanted everyone to know that he was wealthy. Also entering this gathering walks a poor man wearing dirty, smelling clothing. Nobody would miss this person either. The greeter makes a big deal of the rich man, showing him special attention and gives him the expected seat of honor. There is no indication that the greeter even looks at the poor man. He simply gives the poor person two options in James chapter 2, verse 3. Stand over there, implying the corner away from the other guests, or sit on the floor by my feet. In ancient times, using someone as a footstool was meant to humiliate that person. Ancient conquerors would do this with their enemies. James's language indicates that while the rich man was honored, the poor man was humiliated. I would like to address one thing at this point. We might be tempted to pass this instruction off by thinking, well, I'm kind to poor people, or I give money to help those in need. Since the issue here is not just about money, but poverty of all kinds, let's take a moment to expand to people who come to our meetings who are hard to get along with, socially awkward, always say the wrong thing, etc. How do we treat those who are just different? If believers of the Lord Jesus Christ favor the rich or the socially acceptable, James says that they have become judges with evil thoughts, verse 4. In the kingdom of God, there is only one judge. His name is Jesus. John chapter 5, verse 22 reminds us, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son. The Greek word for evil in verse 4 is a broad term that refers to both physical suffering and to moral evil. So in their discrimination, the believers had further increased the suffering of the poor man by adding humiliation to what he was already suffering. For James, preference based on status in life is repugnant and contradictory to the gospel. Since believers have faith by definition, their greeting in the gathering place will demonstrate this faith by a lack of favoritism. Let me just mention here that Jesus did have both rich and poor followers. Even the 12 was mixed, some with money, but most with poverty. Jesus has had supporters of his ministry who also had money. The reality is that God does not show favoritism to the rich or to the poor. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 15 says, do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the rich, but judge your neighbor fairly. 
James is not teaching to favor the poor, nor does he uh, teach to exalt poverty. It is important to note that just as it is essential for the rich not to exclude the poor, the poor must not assume priority over the rich. It's also a matter, it is always a matter of a receptive heart. That's what God is looking for. The reality is that the poor often have a more receptive heart than the rich. This is why Jesus said, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for, how hard is it for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Mark chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Once again, in James chapter two, verse five, James uses the title, my dear brothers and sisters. He reminded the reader that God chose the poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith. Wealth in God's economy is about faith in him. You can be financially poor in the eyes of the world, but be rich in faith in the eyes of God. That makes sense because God owns everything anyway. What God is after is our hearts. Jesus said, give to Caesar what's Caesar and give to God what is God's. Mark chapter 12, verse 17. If believers behave with favoritism toward the rich like the world does, they have dis dishonored the poor and dishonored God. James goes on in verses six to seven to show the absurdity of this behavior with the rich. The very people these believers are favoring are exploiting the Jewish Christian community, dragging them into court with the very intention of increasing the wealthy person's control and status over the poor believers. Not only is favoritism of the rich not like Jesus, it is dumb. It is a dumb way to live. So how are the holy people of God to actually live? To see this, let's continue into James chapter 2, verses 8 through 13. The great commandment to love God and to love neighbor, that commandment that all other laws hang on, is ultimately a law of love. Love for God and love for others is the intention of the law. It is both the beginning of the law and the fulfillment of the law. When we love our neighbor, we catch the spirit of the law itself. James assumes that his readers know and follow what Jesus called the first and greatest commandment found in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 and 38. This commandment called people to love God with all their heart, soul, and mind. The commandment summarized the first four commandments of the Ten Commandments. Now, in James chapter 2, verse 8, James focuses on what he calls the royal law, which says, love your neighbor as yourself. When James says that believers are to keep the royal law, he uses a unique Greek verb for keep. The usual word for keep means keeping or observing. James chose to use a different verb that means to perform or to fulfill. 
the emphasis here is on doing exhaustively what the law requires. Loving your neighbor is spelled out in the final six commandments of the Ten Commandments. James makes it plain in verse 9. If you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Those who've sinned and broken the law in one place are guilty of breaking the whole law. If you show favoritism, you are guilty as the, you are as guilty as a person who's murdered or committed adultery. According to James chapter 2 verse 12, we are to speak and act like those who will be judged by the law that gives freedom or the law of love. Do we love God purely? Do we love our neighbor completely? To be sure, this is truly what holiness looks like, loving God and loving the most difficult person to love who has no ability to pay you back for your kindness. This is where the Wesleyan holiness stream of the church had its most recent roots. John Wesley of the 18th century was a very well-educated person with, a, with an appointment at Oxford University. He had every secular reason to distance himself from the poverty and desperation of the common person. Yet he pursued them, served them until the very end of his life. History records that he was systematically driven away from every parish in the Church of England because he attracted the margins of society to his services, which made the wealthy uncomfortable. Because of this, he began preaching in the field with great success. Phineas Brzee, the founding pastor of the First Church of the Nazarene in Los Angeles, California, had his first service in a rescue mission. You see, holiness refuses to surrender to the theoretical faith that seems too perfect for the real world. To live as part of the kingdom of Christ, we are called to put feet to our faith. A starting place is to show no favoritism, to love one's neighbor as oneself. Thank you for listening to the Faith Connections podcast. If you wish to order Faith Connection materials for your local church, please visit thefoundrypublishing.com. If you've enjoyed this production and wish to hear more, visit holinesstoday.org slash podcast or find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts.